0: This is the Total Football Podcast. I am Declan Hart,
1: and I'm Andrew Conway.
0: Let's get on with the show. This fellow Ronaldo is a cod. Aston Villa has been in Japan for a year. They don't know anything about English football. I have nothing to say. I'm so sorry. I have nothing to say. It's the history of the Tottenham. But this action is really incredible, incredible. If you don't know the answer to that question, then I think you you are an ostrich. Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher, they're taking potshots at each other again today, Andrew. Uh, Is this some new aggressive advertising strategy for Monday Night Football?
1: Well, the fact that they were really going personal with it, I don't know, was it a pre-ordained thing like are they on monday night football we'll have to only time will tell um and we'll see whether they're actually fighting with other or was it a kind of weird marketing push to get the ratings up on monday night football as they come into what i believe is sweeps is this when they decide what the, they charge for ads on monday night football this time of year um yeah it seemed very personal <laughs> the attacks back and forth between gary neville and jamie Carragher attacking their their class and, you know, who they're voting for, who they work for, who they choose to write columns for, what they did with their money uh, after they end of their career, what they how they spent their uh, testimonial uh, funds, how they conduct their business purposes, processes um, and their political leanings. It, it seemed a bit of a, a weird one to start your Monday morning with.
0: Yeah, they, they really did uh, start bright and early. It was like the first thing I saw when I woke up. It was like, oh, they're having to go with each other again. And it is again, mm. like they've had... They've had their goals each other. Even on Monday Night Football, there's a few jokes here and there. But generally, it seemed quite friendly in a way. You know, it's like, ah, you know, we're just ribbing on each other like old mates kind of thing. But it did seem oddly personal today. Mm-hmm. Uh, it kind of reminded me of some old WWE scripting. <laughs> Where it was like, we've got to go big here online and get people to tune in.
1: I don't I don't know if WWE would go to the level of like mentioning a telegraph column and uh, uh, attacking each other. But yeah.
0: It, it it it's those times when WWE get really desperate to get viewers, and are like, oh, we'll make it really personal, like talk about how your your son died or something. Mm. Um, they've done they've definitely done that a couple of times, which is always kind of r- ridden the line there. Is that acceptable? Um, but that is also very much a scripted TV show. Uh, this is this is a bit weird with two two kind of normal people uh doing it on on. Uh, Twitter, but I suppose it's just all the more reason to watch Wonder uh, Night Football, They've got me hooked uh, I gotta tune in now
1: Yeah, I'd say they might open it with a weird, if they both are on it, it would open it with a weird kind of staring at each other type of situation and they'll make a big old joke about it and then move on to the to weekend's action
0: They'll do a really over the top shake of hands thing and, and Dave oh, Jones God. will have to get involved and he'll have a quip or two and Hashtag banter, yeah It's not,
1: yeah, we we'll, God, it's making me hate myself already. <laughs> <laughs> what a great start
0: to the show! What a great start to the week you've got here. <laughs> Thank you for Declan. Um, you've you've brightened up my life. Uh, let's brighten it even further, and let's talk about the the Man United game on Saturday. It was a three o'clock game, which I suppose angered a few people the fact that it wasn't broadcast live in the UK, but it was broadcast live here in Ireland, which uh, was pretty useful. Uh, it was a four one win for for Man United. Of course, it was obviously Cristiano Ronaldo's second debut, and he got two goals. Mm-hmm. but what did you think of this kind of new look Man United side I guess you could call it
1: well I think the 4-1 probably flattered them a little bit I think Newcastle probably played better than that result indicates I think they put up a good fight against Manchester United held them back obviously they weren't attacking too much they were sitting back and absorbing a pre- the pressure that Man United gave to them and I, I, I personally think Newcastle's goal was fantastic I know you might bring in Matic and, and talk about his positioning and his diving for a challenge which can look very good but uh, you know it can also make you look hopeless and out of really out of kilter with the rest of the game, but I think Newcastle scored a very good goal from that. And, you know, bar some mischievous deflections and, you know, not the best defending at times, I think Newcastle could have been in this a lot more. Ronaldo did what he did his best. He he pounced on mistakes. He was in the box. He was the fox in the box. He I think did politically did his bit in this match. He made sure not to not to how would you say it, kind of berate his teammates as much as as necessarily you might expect him to, as much as uh, you definitely saw him do it uh, at Madrid and, and and Juventus, um, whenever they didn't pass the ball when there was a shot on, but uh, on a couple of occasions there was a there was times where United were already playing to his fiddle and and giving the ball at every occasion. And while that worked, I guess, say against Newcastle, it might work in other games. Um, it was also nice to see him celebrate when uh, was it Greenwood scored and who scored the other goal? Um, Jesse Lingard. Lingard scored both times. Like. Both times, uh, Ronaldo was there waiting, and I think he was, especially for the Lingard goal, he could have tapped it in for a hat-trick, but he made no, you know, usually his hands would be up and it's like, why didn't you pass me? I, I was on for a hat-trick, and he didn't do that. He celebrated, which I thought was a surprise, because I haven't seen him do that in a very long time when, when those type of goals have gone in. um, So I think politically he, he approached the the game very well, and United got the best out of it. I think it couldn't have been a better start for him. Yeah,
0: because like, you, you allude there to kind of his... You know, unique personality. I guess you could put it di- diplomatically. <laughs> um, but you glory know, before, hunting, yeah. Before he arrived at Man United, I would have said that the dressing room there seemed very happy and balanced. You know, mm. there are egos there. Obviously, you know, we've seen. You know, there's a famous Tony Van Bruno Beek. Fernandez. You know, such such a big ego. <laughs> yeah, but uh, well, he was. To an injury for Dungeon during the week as well, which was interesting. But Pierre Fernandez had that kind of famous outburst, or a few famous outbursts, when he was at Sporting Lisbon, where he kind of demanded better of his team. You know, we've not seen any of that at Man United. He seems quite content there and, and quite happy that, you know, whenever they do well and seems to accept it as a as a group loss when, when they lose. And, and Paul Pogba, as well as someone who, you know, you might think could have a big, big ego, but he himself is, I think, generally been quite happy in the dressing room ever since Mourinho left anyway you could say <laughs> for yeah. these people uh, you know generally the atmosphere when they score a goal they tend to huddle together you know they've got their their little handshakes or whatever that they do as well and everything seems yeah. quite happy so Good spirit, throwing yeah. in throwing in a, a, a person like Cristiano Ronaldo who is very fiery who you know can be very demanding of his, of his teammates it is interesting to see how that will develop you know it's still very early days of course, the atmosphere at Old Trafford was, you know, was very much that of a homecoming for him as well, having played there 12 to 15 years ago now. So it was kind of, you know, if he was doing it day one, I think that maybe would have got a few caught a few people off guard because it was supposed to be a bit of a celebratory day, um, I yeah. guess at Old Trafford. So it felt like a pre-season
1: know. match almost. It it didn't it, feel it, it, it did. Yeah, it didn't feel like a league game. I think, like as I said, Newcastle did play their part in it. They played well. I think for Newcastle performance at Old Trafford it's one of the better ones we've seen in recent times when sometimes Newcastle have just folded and especially under C. Bruce, any side it's, uh, uh, that C. Bruce has had at Old Trafford tends not to do that well so I think I you know they lost 4-1 but I, as I said the, the, the scoreline I think flattered Manchester United by the end of it
0: Yeah and I do think Man United now will probably win a few games like this particularly at home uh, Oh yeah, yeah The atmosphere has been pretty good these first two games since fans have been back think that'll probably help because like they only won nine of their 19 games there last year that was a a big problem and you could say it was the reason they didn't win the league or even really compete for the league because their waveform was was right up there Mm. um so you know they they do need to turn that around two wins from two is a good way to do that and win nine two on aggregate as well is impressive and i I do think they will kind of just bully a few teams they'll win a few games in the tunnel um, as, yeah. as Roy Keane often often used to kind of talk about it at Man United, they used to do that under Ferguson. Yeah, you know, I, I do think there is that bit of an aura around it now because obviously, you know, when you bring in someone with the reputation um, that Ronaldo has as a player, that's that's inevitable. I think I saw a few people suggest that you know a couple of Newcastle players queued up to ask Ronaldo for his jersey after the match, like thats Really? Is, yeah. You See, know that's. Yeah, you don't need we, that. <laughs> yeah. We saw that with Messi as well in in, in PSG in his first game. Yeah. The the goalkeeper for I uh, can't remember which legal side it was is one of the ones that I can't pronounce anyway. So, yeah. but their goalkeeper you know got a picture of Messi holding holding his son. <laughs> so, you yeah. know clearly there is a bit of a it's a bit of a guest over kind of situation yeah like, oh my god we've not seen this guy in forever you know it, yeah. it, it is a bit odd um, especially in a sporting context you know it's not something we've really seen before um, maybe the La Liga players were taking these guys for granted um, you know I'd imagine a bit, the there was a
1: bit of that yeah
0: but, um, but hmm. the, the, the other concern I would have though is that you know while I do think Maynard will win plenty of games like this, I do think they'll drop plenty of points playing in a similar way as well. Mm. Better teams will punish them. You know, you talk about that Newcastle goal, it was really well taken, it was really well worked. But Maynard made it very easy for them throughout the match to transition into attack from defence. And, you know, you alluded to Madic there. You know, that's just not a guy that should be getting these kind of minutes early doors in a season because his legs just aren't there. Like, obviously, I think if. If they had prime Nemanja Matic, the one that was winning league titles with Chelsea, he was competing in the Champions League yeah. with Chelsea. He'd almost be the perfect player. I don't, United. I don't, I don't even agree with that because you might, you have to remember Nemanja Matic. Well, he was good at
1: Benfica, but he played at Benfica in a team where which didn't pass the halfway line. Generally, he would have four at least players behind him, uh, like two fullbacks and two defenders behind him at all times. That's what he had at Chelsea as well. Remember the rule of Chelsea for the fullbacks not to pass the halfway line. I believe in the the goal that was conceded against Newcastle, Tyron Maguire was ahead of him for a start, and definitely whoever, I think both full-backs were ahead of him as well, so he was him and one other defender back, I think, and one other one in midfield, and, you know, that's it's suicidal defending when you have a player like Nemanja, Manich, even at his peak, he didn't have that pace to keep up with those attackers.
0: As well as that then, you know, partnering him with Paul Pogba, a player who's very much He was, he was forward. way off, yeah. He, there was He, 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 was he wasn't gone. even
1: the shot, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, you know th- that's why that partnership doesn't really work, and then no. of course you know I, I can't remember where Aaron McGuire was, but you know if you say he was that high up, that he was chasing, a yeah, he was
1: chasing back that he's kind of caused the whole issue with that. And, with and, that, and if I, I suppose
0: remember correctly. like he has probably been given more license do that because Varane is expected to kind of cover for him, yeah, uh, with his pace. But you know when you see Madich is there, like you're right, he was never the quickest, but he's. Even slower now. Even on the yeah. ball, in particular, like you know, there were a few times where he got the ball kind of in a decent position, had a couple of options open because yeah. they they'd kind of made a break through the lines or whatever. Yeah. And he just take that extra touch that I don't think he would have used to take that just slowed I, yeah. everything down. And it, it, you know, I'm not blaming every one of my night's nice problems mm. on the manager. Again, I mentioned that he partnered with uh, Paul Pogba. His alternative options of Scott McTominay and Fred there, you know, also not good enough, I think. I, you know, they'd have played better with those two in the team. Yeah. And Paul Pogba being able to play a bit further forward or maybe on the bench. You know, one of the attackers would have been on the bench instead. Yeah. You know, that there's a better balance there. Uh, I think that's what they will come back to once. You know, I, I'm not quite sure why Fred didn't play. You know, there's the whole thing with the South Americans being banned but that ban yeah. was uplifted and he was on the bench um, maybe, maybe safe
1: than sorry who know like they didn't want to lose potentially lose points because that is a risk if, yeah if my, my other suspicion
0: my other suspicion is maybe they think that he is only best partnered with Scott McTominay or something I don't know maybe he's resting mm. him for for young boys in the middle of the week I don't know um, maybe yeah. I, I don't know if social answered any questions on that either I certainly didn't see any but whatever he didn't play but I think I suspect yeah. when it you know might not have a really weird fixture list this season you know they've, they've started off pretty quiet but when it comes to they play Man City a Champions League game, Liverpool a Champions League game Tottenham a Champions League game Arsenal yeah. you know th- when it gets to that period which is coming up in I think October November mm-hmm. I, I, I would you know expect Fred and Scott McDominay to be the two midfielders there and, 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 and that will be better than Nemanja Matic and so Paul Pogba who, but who I drops still out? see that's I Go still on. see problems there um, that they'll be caught out in transition. To answer your question yeah. who, who misses out I, I'm not sure I, right now I think Greenwood will miss out even though you know he's had a really good start to the season he's got what three goals already um, and a couple I, of assists. I, I don't see
1: I I presume this is like bringing it back like Matt United are lacking a central midfielder. They have been for many, many years. At this point, I suppose Michael Carrick was the last one, the last Mm -hmm. player who could take, who would be confident on uh, winning the ball or even getting the ball and taking a touch and playing the right pass. I don't think they've had a midfielder of that quality since to play that central holding role. I think they've they've flirted with a few players, but they haven't been up to top grade quality. They're not, you know, championship winning. Uh, central midfielders um, and I think it's shown I think that's something that definitely they targeted in the summer a Sergio Busquets type of character someone who will play happily at the the, the base midfield stay there drop into centre back if they're needed to drop in if, if you know for some reason or if they want to, to kind of play more controlling with a with a five at the back at times or a three at the back and, and push the fullbacks on forward that wasn't signed I know that was a target for them I don't know who they are actually going to try and get at the end of it I think Greenwood will stay in the side. I think there's nothing wrong with the attacking right or the attacking left. I, I I can honestly not see them play without Pogba because I think he has an engine and he has a drive and he moves from box to box. He offers much on both attacking and defensive and shuffling uh, measures. I think it has to be Bruno Fernandez. I don't see Ronaldo coming out of this team. And yeah, like I I I don't know where else you know. I don't necessarily see Bruno playing left wing. I know, or the left attacking uh, pivot or whatever you want to call it that that United uh, you know, have been experimenting with in, in Marcus Rashford's af- absence. Um, so yeah, I, I, if, if they do go with the Fred and McTominay centre midfield, and it, if both will become fit and that's their selected centre midfield, I don't necessarily see how Bruno fits in this team. Uh, yeah, like if Sancho drops out, it's because, or sorry, if Greenwood drops out, it's because of Sancho. It's not because of the you know midfield balance I th- that's my thoughts anyway
0: you know the, the I'll put it this way the if we ignore the back four which I think we can all yeah you know pretty much assume what the starting line was being we'll say Fred and McTominay mm-hmm. are the midfielders the front four that I would guess that they'd go with is probably Pogba on the left Bruno in the middle and Sancho on the right behind you know presumably Ronaldo um, I which-
1: I just I, I don't think that works because Ronaldo drops deep and he, he acts as that kind of runner into the box. But, but
0: but Bruno can get in the box as well. Like we've seen him get on the end of crosses, we've seen. Yeah, but they're not going to up. I don't
1: see them interchanging positions and
0: that's what they would be required to do. I think
1: Ronaldo rules the roost there, and it's happened to Portugal, we've seen it happen to Portugal. The only way Fernandez does anything at Portuguese was if he plays a deep midfield. And we know that won't work at Manchester United. He doesn't have yeah, uh, the 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 stamina slash defensive chops to do the, it. The,
0: the problem with that though is in Portugal, like the other options there, are also very different. Like they have a lot of players that get in their own way, like Bernardo mm. Silva, João Felix, um, you know Diogo Jota, who also he gets yeah. in the way of Ronaldo quite a lot at Portugal. And I just don't think there is a balance amongst those five or six players. I don't necessarily think. It's a Bruno and Ronaldo problem. I think it's one a managerial problem because I don't think Fernando Santos is all that. Yeah. But also, I just think the overall balance of the attack just isn't there. Um, You know, I don't see this being balanced at United either. I don't see it
1: being balanced at all at United because you have between Pogba and
0: Sancho, you have two players who are more comfortable staying out wide. They're not two players who also want to get in the box.
1: You don't think Pogba
0: Um, wants to get in the box? Not really no and we haven't seen him get in the box He'd, to try Yeah, and get but him.
1: he drifts he always drifts inside. He starts in the left he and does, then he drifts yeah. inside. Like he's at the edge of the box granted okay he's playing withdrawn role. But again that creates more congestion but, in that zone we're just talking about.
0: But but we do know as well that under Solskjaer Man United positions have always been a bit more fluid. Um, you know, yeah, it's just all play, out tired counterattack. Yeah, yeah. Players are a lot of different. I suppose when you play a counter-attacking game, it doesn't really matter mm. where, you, where you are. Yeah, Normally, and it's where you are and at that, the moment.
1: Absolutely, and I think that'll work. Like you said, on ninety, they're a flat track bully. Like Ronaldo, especially, that's his whole game now. He bullies teams that are worse than him. But against those bigger sides, like you listen, the Champions League games, along with those you know so called big six ties in between, they're going to struggle.
0: But that's that's the thing that Bruno has brought. The thing we're missing here is that Bruno has brought, by know, a creativity that yeah, Paul Pogba was a very creative player. He's a very talented midfielder. But I don't think he can do that alone, given the lack of attacking structure in the team. That's why having Bruno and Pogba together, you know, creates chances for them. Then I suppose they've only got two players to get that to. And, you know, Sancho's a really good creator as well, I guess. So I suppose you could say two of the three of them would work. Um, the argument yeah. as well you could make is that Sancho will probably miss out because he's still, you know, we, see, we haven't seen this best of Sancho yet. I don't think we're no, expecting he's ver- to. No, he's,
1: he's acclimatising a lot. Like this, we as we said last week, this happened a lot with a lot of German imports um, back to England that they haven't hit the ground running. It takes them a
0: while at least to, yeah, to like, adapt to the game. Twelve months ago, we would have said Kai Havertz isn't having yeah. the best start to life at Chelsea, but right now he looks a, you know, a, one of the first names on the team sheet at Chelsea. He's been a, yeah. a, a great addition there now, yeah. and you can see they're, you know, they're they're getting the fruit out of that that labor. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, oh no,
1: I'm not saying it's curtains for Sancho at United, but you know, it's not been the hit the ground run. It's not
0: Eden Hazard when he went to Chelsea. It's not. Yeah. Um, and, and, I can't and think of another signing, Mo Salah. Like, like realistically what we're talking about is one of those good issues that managers complain about you not know not knowing who to put in the team and there's there's also you know May had a lot of games last season we presume they'll have a lot of games this year as yeah. well cuz Solskjaer does tend to play the league cup he does tend to play the FA cup and you know whatever happens in Europe that you know I don't see them coming last in that group so they'll have no. knockout games as well coming in in February in some in, competition in March. He did
1: score 15 yeah. goals in the Champions League group stage and still got eliminated which is I think one
0: of it's a, not if not a record it's pretty up there. So, you know, there will there will be a lot of rotation. We haven't even mentioned the fact that, you know, in a month's time Marcus Rashford should hopefully be back from injury, you yeah. know, that'll be a, a really good addition to the squad as well and and you know, I think this might end up having a long-term positive for Man United in the sense that, you know, Greenwood is very young. Yeah. Sancho oh, is still yeah. quite young. You don't want to burn these guys out either, you know, we're no. seeing Pedro and or Barcelona
1: they're nice. learning from the like the supreme athlete in in modern football. Really, the guy that's made the most of his of his. You know, he does have talent, no doubt, but he's made the absolute most of that, and is still going strong at thirty six years of age. They'll have a lot of psychological benefits from that, and they'll also see a lot of physical benefits in terms of how he trains, how he looks after himself. You know, this is something that was often quoted as you know Ryan, Ryan Giggs when he was the senior pro at Manchester United come, you know, 2007 onwards to the end of his career, a lot of younger players look to him for how to, you know, how best to condition themselves. And I, I think that's something that a lot of these players can learn from Cristiano Ronaldo and his ability not to get injured that often and not to get badly injured that often. You know, he's had a lucky career, but at the same time, he, you know, you, you you make your own luck to a certain extent when it comes to those type of muscular injuries and you know he, he's lost pace as he's got older but he's he's added in other gateways and that's that's something that I think some of these players could definitely learn from you look at Rashford who's picking up more and more injuries now even though he's a young man and a lot of that's down to the amount of football he played as a, when he was still developing physically so he could take a lot from or probably learn a lot from what Cristiano Ronaldo was doing I do think though United you know we're 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 looking at this and we're trying to you know fit all the pegs into the holes and it 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 does you know it, it it's often said oh this is a wonderful problem to have but I still think it's a problem they have so many pretty good attacking players how do you get them all into the one team how do you make them all happy and you know so far Solskjaer has done very well at keeping personal people you know his his man management is exceptional like whatever about his tactics his man management has always been great with these you know big ego players as Paul Pogba as you said. But, you know, how does he keep Martial happy? How does he keep Donny Vanderbeek who he didn't even entertain as being possibly in this team or even a substitute? Um, how does he keep, you know, Edison Cavani happy? You know, we, they've obviously got rid of Dan James to to lead, so they, they've got rid of that problem. But, they're you know, there's still another six players who are competing for probably three roles.
0: Yeah, like, I think this season is a big test of Solskjaer's man management, and it wouldn't surprise me if we see actually a, pretty big overall by United's attack next summer I'm so Solskjaer sure survives this mm. you know I could see Lingard, Van de Beek, Martial, yeah, Cavani mentioned Lingard. Going. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was shocked yeah. that Lingard was still there
1: to be quite honest I think he is he is one of those players that as we discussed last week and when we were picking that 11 of, of kind of superfluous players at these big sides he is someone that is I think he's a he's a very good footballer is he at the Manchester United championship winning level I don't know like he is certainly a substitute in that level but does, is that what all he wants from his career he could be you know starring at an Everton or at mm-hmm. a you know and in the England team as a result of that, or West Ham as we said last season um, but instead he's coming on and, and doing these kind of cameo performances I'm sure he'll score four or five goals from the bench this season if he gets the same amount of game time as he got against Newcastle against those smaller teams um, but is that enough for him is that what he wants from his career
0: yeah, it's, it's going to be fascinating to see how that all plays out. And, and that's why I kind of think, you know, this could be the last season for a lot of those main headed attackers, is Solskjaer kind of has to find room. Obviously, as well, Pogba's in the final year of his contract. Ornstein Pogba's gotten it. <laughs> yeah. or, Ornstein reported today that apparently Solcher, or Pogba is thinking of staying, but obviously, you know, that can, that, that can easily change in six weeks if they start I, losing a bunch of games or whatever. I would be of the, because,
1: you know, David Ornstein is extremely good information. Always, it's almost official information from the club. I can and or, or and or from the players involved. I could imagine that's a bargaining. That's a, a how would you say it? a kind of a contract negotiation tactic. Whether it's at one of the pursuing clubs, or maybe I'll just say Manchester United, and mm-hmm. then you know that that'll alert uh, Mr. Perez over in Real Madrid or um, Leonardo <laughs> over in Paris Saint Germain um, to you know oh maybe we actually need to um, to move on this a bit quicker than we've been. Think thinking of,
0: yeah. Unless we wake up tomorrow and Pogba has signed a new contract, I'd be surprised if this is yeah. the last we hear of the story. But yeah, I, I believe it when th- I see it. Yeah, the the ultimate point I suppose that I would make about Man United is you know we've also been kind of critical here, but ultimately I think this team is you know going to finish in the top four. I think they'll get through yeah. their group in the Champions League. I think Sochar will do enough to to skate on by this season. Um, mm-hmm. you know they might win an FA Cup or a League Cup as well you know sure has been going for those so I think my United are fine basically but also it's good to kind of point out why I don't think why I think they won't win the league basically yeah
1: like I the Ronaldo signing kind of solidified in my head before I was like oh United are going to be third or fourth because I thought Liverpool you know while an aging side a few years after their championship while they haven't really refreshed in a, a large amount of areas they do have their first 11 back fit Uh, and they are firing and they are playing very well when given the opportunity so I thought Liverpool would definitely be in there obviously Chelsea they've made huge signings they've made very good signings and they already had a solid base there to begin with and they've obviously won the Champions League meanwhile Man City while not really an exciting team at all in terms of the players like everyone in that team is 8 out of 10 and very rarely drops below that, so you're kind of you you're hard-pressed to push against them. But with Ronaldo, they really, United have signed the superstar quality, and you combine that with the kind of exciting attackers they already had, with the, the sensible signings they've made in defence in terms of Iran, the fact that putting the, the Henderson, basically making him uh, Solskjaer's number one, really seems to have lit a fire under De Gea, and he's performing quite well. Um, when given the opportunity, it's kind of it's electrified Old Trafford, and I think that's why I would almost push them towards a the second. I push them up to my second place favourites at the moment. I think it'll be very interesting to see how Solskjaer can progress this. Like he has got big results against big teams before. He, ha- you know, it's not like he's go- he's going into playing Man City in a, in a few weeks' time and and Tottenham and and Arsenal without having had performances against those sides. He has. And, you know, obviously he's got one of the best records ever against Pep Guardiola. Like he could go and win that match and and kick Manchester United ahead. It's the doubts that come in after that that, you know, will they do it? Will they stay ahead? Will they choke? Because that's all that we've seen so far from Manchester United, given the opportunity to win a trophy, or to kick on, or to really do something, whether it's in the Champions League last season, the Europa League final, the cup semi finals they've been in, or when they had the opportunity to go clear at the top of the league last season, I think before Christmas, they failed you like and that's the that's the real crux of the matter i don't know if there's enough in this team if there's enough experience and will i think certain players definitely have it you're looking at ferran you're looking at ronaldo but a lot of top level winning experience is is low on the ground like i was thinking when you were talking about bruno fernandez any earlier what what has he actually won in his career did he didn't win the euros and Mm. you know he was in portugal for a lot longer than most players tend to be of his caliber and like you know, there, there's very few winners in the rest of that team. Harry McGuire hasn't won anything, has he? Paul um,
0: well, Pogba I'm, is a serial winner, but then you're looking at well, De Gea. Well, he's won um, the World Cup
1: as well. <laughs> so he has we, won the World Cup, yes. You're we right. do have to
0: acknowledge that. But yeah, but like, like <laughs>
1: maybe right. Pogba's is a winner. But you know, there's there's very few in there that have really done it and have the t-shirt and have the kind of will to go on. Like obviously Ronaldo and Varane are, are two two major serial winners, but do they know what it's like do they know what it feels like are are they afraid of it you know you get that impression a lot from them and and indeed you get that impression from Solskjaer when he talks about you know you know oh it'll come and he's not too worried about losing semi finals like i would be like, you know, one, it's like the Everton-Liverpool thing, you know, when Everton kept losing, it's like, is it psychological? And, and like, Anceli saying, yeah, it has to be at this point. We've played better than Liverpool so often. I know they've they've since put that to bed. But they, you know, they did it for so long, playing better than them, and they were still losing. And you worry that that's crept into Manchester United when you compare them to someone like Chelsea, who can just, you know, sack their manager, change the entire squad, and just win the Champions League just like that. They've done it twice now. Um it just you know it, it it shows there's a mentality through the team, and that mentality has its negatives as well, but like I think Solskjaer's lads, they're a great bunch of lads, and everyone likes them, but maybe they're they're missing that killer bite that that bit to kind of kick on and win things.
0: yeah, you know, you remind me of uh, Roy Keane back in I think it was 2009 yeah you know hungry ball whatever he was like just afraid of that next step
1: yeah the, the they <laughs> and you get that impression from them like i I certainly did, and the the more goes on like this is they have no excuses. You know, we, we can talk about, you know, Man City didn't manage to sign Kane or that big centre-forward. Now, that leaves them a huge excuse for this season. If it doesn't work out for them, they have that excuse. Manchester United don't have that excuse. They were backed hugely. You know, paying 500 grand a week for a 36-year-old, I know it's Cristiano Ronaldo and that kind of changed it. But that, that's a huge investment. You know, the the, the owner coming over and, and visiting the stadium for the first time in two years, or the chief, whatever they want to call the Glazer he came over and visited for the first time in two years you know that's pressure on the chief executive that's pressure on the management whether the players feel it they probably don't but it is pressure and elsewhere on the team and that you know that can kind of funnel through through the manager um if things don't work out this season for Manchester United, if they don't do a good tilt at the league title and just be- be- beaten by a better side, a la Klopp versus uh, Pep a few years ago, like everyone acknowledged, fair enough, that was just, you know, it's a freak season. You did everything you could possibly do to win the league and it just didn't work out. They still won the Champions League that year, but we won't speak about that. Um, you know, that that's just how it is. You have to do something. So I, I think they minimum have to win a trophy this season. And have to really compete for the league. Otherwise, I think it might be curtains for Solskjaer. And as you said, there might be a, a bit of a sea change in the squad come the summer.
0: Yeah, and uh, just to move on there, I think uh, we should talk as well about Harvey Elliott, who suffered, uh, you know, I didn't actually watch what happened just because of everything I heard about it was so horrific. Um, it, it, if, yeah, uh, not, of not course. Pleasant. Of course, yeah, we don't. We want to see that happen to anyone, but of course, no. uh, as well, at an eighteen-year-old who's just kind of having a, a breakthrough season—it's you know kind of yeah. doubly sickening as well. And he played quite well, I thought, in that game from what I'd seen of it. But should we have heeded Klopp's warning a few weeks ago that uh, this kind of thing could happen because you know we're letting the game flow now?
1: Um, like I was interested. I saw the comments afterwards. I saw a lot of other comments, and they've been building for a few weeks. And there's been a few editorials saying the same thing about you know the the instruction now is to keep the game flowing move it like Craig Possum was yesterday he did it a lot yesterday he kept the match moving an awful lot in that match when you know probably should have been a foul there was a handball I think in the first half that was a clear handball from it might have been Elliot uh, or it might have been someone it was definitely a Liverpool player yeah and the match is played on It was like well no you should have stopped it it was a handball ball by a Liverpool player you should have stopped the game and he was right in front of you like there, there's a fine line between letting the game flow and making an error and you know I think the refs might be I think there'll probably be a bit of an inflection point now where they take a step back and probably it'll be a bit tighter in the next few weeks I hope it's not the end of it because I did like the way the games were flowing like this, this challenge like 9 times out of 10 you, you make that challenge and nothing happens to the player you tackle it was he you know he caught his shin in a weird way and it bounced into the ground and you know foot being planted and then things happen like it was a complete fluke i don't think there was any malice or intent in it and i think you know the ball was got as well in this situation if i'm I, I could be completely incorrect there but i think it was um so you know the absolute freak nature of it is is hugely unfortunate Um, and I I wish him the speedy recovery and hopefully he will he he didn't lose consciousness or anything which is quite a good sign I think from either that or he's very high pain threshold so fair play to him Um, and yeah I hope the surgery and whatever else rehabilitation he has to get will go well and he'll be back within the year hopefully Um, you know it is it is a very bad break and it is an unfortunate time to get it just when you're you're coming into you know, being a starter at Liverpool Football Club as they're, you know, technically challenging for multiple trophies, you know, it's, it's a pretty impressive thing to do at his age and, you know, this will be a major setback for him and, and for Liverpool itself.
0: Yeah, he, he commented on Instagram saying it wasn't uh, his fault whatsoever neither was it a red card, just a freak accident, but these things yeah. happen in football, I'll be back stronger 100%. Thanks yeah. for all the support. So, um, you know, obviously he doesn't have any hard feelings around it either. No, he was um, conscious
1: when he left the field and waving at the crowd and you know, I don't think he was in particularly much comfort while he was doing that, but you know, it's I think he comported himself extremely well in the circumstances and really handled it well and has handled the the aftermath well. I think everyone on the field did as well. I don't think there was any there was no fighting breaking out, there was no hard feelings. I think everyone, you know, took it very well. Um which is you know, I suppose it's the least you can ask for in this situation, but you'd also worry that it wouldn't happen um but i i can't like i can't blame the referees for, for for that happening i think i think it could have happened whether the ref was blown up for every little niggle and foul every few minutes or not or just letting the game flow freely it was it was a challenge in the middle of the park that was there to be won
0: yeah, the the other thing I've seen some people mention is that, you know, back when Nelson Menger was at Arsenal and they kind of had a reputation for going down easily or kind of being easy to get at if you really got hired to them. and the, yeah. You know, at the time the refs did kind of play into that and we saw Eduardo break his leg, yeah. Aaron Ramsey break his leg, um, there was a third player that broke his leg His name I can't recall. I'm sure Mm -hmm. you might remember it, but, um, you know, it it did happen. And, and, you know, other players had other injuries that weren't quite as severe. Yeah. Um, And it was just seen as, you know, that's how it is. It wasn't, you know, let's rip up the rule books and and change things. And it it, it is interesting that, you know, maybe it doesn't happen later in the season. We wouldn't be kind of saying we wouldn't be putting the two and two together at all. Um, but it is worth asking the question. I think, like, is this a a symptom of the new refereeing kind of con- directive, or or was what did it would this have just happened anyway? Um, and I suppose there's. You know, no real easy way to tell what happens. No, yeah. Like,
1: I, I I, thought that was a fair challenge in the middle of the park. He slid in. Maybe he shouldn't have slid in, and it was poor decision making on it, but the ball was there to be won. A few minutes later, and it was noted on Sky Sports commentary Gary Neville and, and Martin Tyler um, was it Calvin Phillips tackled uh, Saudi Mane as he was mm. breaking away? And it was like Gary Neville said that's a carbon copy of the tackle on uh, Harvey Elliott that broke his leg or broke his ankle. Um, and just you know, man just rolled it off and and kept going. You know, it was no it was no big deal. the Match played on, and it wasn't even given us a free kick because it was a fair challenge, and he won the ball. Like I don't think those challenges have come about because oh, I'm going to get away with this now. So I'm going to do it. And that that you know the talk that you have in, in the past gone by of arson being an easy hit. It, it was kind of there was a lot of kicking and, and, and sly fouls that really happened and basically that culminated in, in things bubbling over and you would get rash challenges like Ryan Shortcross against Aaron Ramsey that broke his leg in two places you know that those challenges did bubble over from a from bad feeling I don't think any match has really had that I think it's it's more little pushes and little little trips here and there that are really being warned off and not being you know cited as much in, in the game and I think that's fine I think it's a contact sport And, like, really, the bad challenge radar, there's been a couple of them, like, and most of them have been punished. Like, you can make an argument about uh, Paul Polpa against Wolves uh, not getting challenged that led directly to the goal. I wasn't sure whether that was a foul either, but I could see why it could have been given. Like, something similar happened with Granit Xhaka against, uh, was it Man City? And, uh, you know, he was sent off for it. So I think if there are bad challenges, they still are being sanctioned. They're still being called up. It, it's it's up to the referees to, to enforce the rules of the game or the laws of the game whatever it is and i think they've done that quite well i think it's just they're not they're giving more advantage to play i think that's i think that's what, how would i i call it to be honest that they're they're letting the game flow <laughs> for lack of i know it's a terrible phrase but they're they're not necessarily you know stopping the match at every opportunity they're they're giving a uh, you know if if a foul happens let the game go for a couple of seconds i think it's possibly what they've learned from VAR and and not pulling the offside flag up immediately and then pulling it off after the the attack has ended either in a goal or or gone out of bounds Um, and I think that's kind of worked for things
0: yeah it is just I suppose interesting as well that Eugen Klopp had made those comments about two three weeks ago and then it's one of his players that suffers just a horrendous injury and yeah I suppose the last thing that I could say on this is, you know, to take a positive from it for Harvey Elliott is, in the past, plenty of players have had a yeah. pretty horrific injury and they've come back, you know, look at Aaron Ramsey, you know, he yeah. ended up coming back and was better than ever and ended up getting a move to Juventus. Yeah, it never I affected remember, his game. And yeah, he was about I, the same age. Mm. I, I remember Luke Shaw as well when uh, yeah. he broke his leg his knee, and... Um, You know, Antonio Valencia was of his Rangers, but he he came back quite well as well. Yeah, never affected
1: his pace either. Not that Harvey Elliott is blessed with an enormous pace by any stretch of the imagination. Um, It's not that his game is based around that, but you know, players do come back from these injuries all the time. Like, like there is, yeah, I won't go into the the we don't qualify. You know, this injury is worse than that injury or whatever else. But yeah, there there's there's stories abound, abound, and he'll have the best medical treatment in the world, I would imagine.
0: Champions League returns for another season but this time there's some changes around around here however the basic group structure of 8x4 remains and that's what matters most we've seen the draw we've seen the teams domestically for a few weeks now who will be here come late May
1: oh uh, I don't know PSG who's
0: been impressive who's not been
1: so like well so far PSG I don't think I've been any I think they've started where they left off at the end of last season um, we haven't seen them fire at all cylinders yet. their new signings really I don't think have bedded in but I would expect to see them come the end of the year either in like are the semis in April or May this year uh, I, I'm not really sure yet but like I expect them to at least reach that level and then at that point it's anyone's game you know anyone can beat anyone over two legs so we know that but I think PSG have the quality to carry them at least that far um, Man City is the other team I'm, I'm looking at in, in, in a, probably for similar reasons that I'm looking at PSG they have the players, they have the experience at this point. They have a point to prove. There's a few players that probably this might be their last opportunity. Certainly with City, I know there's a lot of players still for sale at City. And if they do add something special in, in, in this in the summer in the Christmas window, in the New Year window, I could see them definitely getting at least as far as they did last season, if not beyond, one step better and, and actually win the thing. Um Bayern would be my other team in there as well, just because they're they're winning at a canter in, in Germany. I know they they're not quite there yet uh, on their league form but they're you know the the, the strength and depth in that team is frightening uh, in, on the german side but then you know they they've won it in the last couple of years and and as we said in the in the transfer show um Lewandowski, it could be his last season at bayern does he want to go out with another champions league i think he does
0: yeah, it's interesting because you know obviously the Champions League does work around in cycles. You know, mm-hmm. go back to even the very start of the European Cup, and it is very cyclical by nation. Um, yeah. you know, we have seen English dominance. We'll go back as far as the '70s and '80s, then there, then it went on to Italy, and then I went on, then I went back to England, then I went to Spain, and you can really say now that it's back to England again. Um, yeah, and you know we've seen that we've seen two all England finals in the last three seasons. Uh, you know we're seeing t- three English clubs make it to the quarterfinals, four sometimes, and we, we know we could see all four make it to the quarterfinals this year as well. Yeah, easily, uh, it wouldn't shock me. Um, you know, so it, I think those four teams are could could all go far. Obviously, you know, you play into what we talked about in the league, and you know, you'd you back Man City and and Chelsea that bit more because of the same reasons. We backed them in the league, but obviously Liverpool won it a few years ago and got to a final the year before that. May you know, I still have a bit to go, I think, in terms of building up Champions League experience, but they should still be a, a team that could do well. Um, They've got Ferran the and Ronaldo, have. yeah. True as well. Um, Jaden Sancho got to a quarterfinal last True. year as well. It should be remembered. But then a outside off, of yeah. that, outside of that, though, you do look at Barcelona, Real Madrid, let it go. Like, none of them, like, Real Madrid got to a semifinal last year, but I'd be very surprised mm-hmm. if they did it again this year. Barcelona as well. I'd be surprised if they got into the into the quarters. Even you know they they could they could face an elimination in the group stage because they do have a bit of a tricky one with Bayern Munich, Benfica, and Dynamo Kiev. Like you know, there, there could be an upset there if they're not on their day, or if they have a you know a couple of bounces yeah. go go against them. Atletico Madrid, you know they won La Liga last year, but they've not been there in Europe the last while. Mm. Uh, you know they won the Europa League, but it's not you know getting to the they beat Champions Liverpool. <laughs> Yeah, they beat Liverpool, yeah. which, you know, at that time, it felt a bit like, oh, Atletico were kind of back as a force in the Champions League. And then they went on and lost to Leipzig and then lost yeah, to Chelsea. Yeah, they were,
1: they were just really disappointing um, in both of those. And, and you but. could
0: argue maybe at the time they were focused more on winning the league yeah. and, and, and rebuilding. But, you know, I still don't really expect them to, to pull up any trees this year themselves. PSG... Yeah got to a semi-final last year, lost to Man City. And, and I they have, Messi,
1: and I, Mbappe, Neymar, Di Maria, Gini Don Donnarumma, Sergio Ramos, uh, P- Marquinhos. Should, and, they, and
0: you know, Mauricio Mar- 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 Pochettino as well as a... Pochettino, Champions Pocchino, Fimers, yes, manager. yeah. I look at PSG and I do think, yes, they should be getting to a semi-final or a final. Yeah. But then the way that they just kind of imploded against Man City, and the way the Pochettino sides have imploded in the past, Tottenham, yeah, uh, you know the Battle of the Bridge, like you know in a cup competition, they absolutely have that potential in them, yeah. You know the way they got to the Champions League final under Pochettino as well, Tottenham, um, you know it required well, they were, they handily beat Brusie Dorman, but then it required a crazy game against Man City. A crazy game, crazy game against
1: Ajax. Yeah, uh,
0: you, you know, and then when they got to Liverpool in the final, they were soundly beaten, like yeah. a, like a little child going up to a big bully, and they just. De Vaca De yeah, you know, when you you can just hold a kid at arm's reach by holding yeah. him at the forehead, you know, that kind of Or just kick the well ball like. at his hand, you know, and get yeah. a penalty. It, it seemed um, very
1: child. yeah, the way they won in the end, it does seem childish when you look back at it. But I, I entirely agree with you. Real Madrid, they're coming up with a new way of playing. I think Carlo has got them kind of reset to a standard, you know, Carlo Ancelotti style of football to kind of get them back in the straight and narrow and it will be a slow process and I don't know you know we've discussed before I don't think I think you think Carlo is past it as it comes to a top level manager so I like maybe yeah
0: it, it's interesting because like you know obviously we when we talk about managers who were past it I suppose we look at Arsene, Aaron and, and Mourinho most because they're the ones that fell off the highest cliff mm-hmm. and, and Carlo obviously achieved just as much as those two managers if not more um, one you know, more, yeah. won, won more Champions Leagues yeah one more Champions Leagues not as many league titles but Yeah you know he, He's not quite the force That he was But he he's a wily old fox As well like, Yeah he, like he did he, get Napoli to
1: the Champions League He had them him For Serie A in theory <laughs> you He, know, he that. did
0: alright At Bayern Munich even Like Yeah know, he won the league quite, Yeah yeah, he won the league But he didn't quite win The Champions League But he was still You know getting them close They got knocked out By Real Madrid I think both years Or the one year he was there I can't quite remember But he was close hmm. um, You know he did quite well At Napoli They won it then, after Did they win it after He was sacked Or was that his successor uh, Hansi Flick replaced, and then I don't know. It was Nico Kovac replaced, and they were oh, worse. Okay. Yeah. Um, but then you know he did already did a good job at Napoli, but I get the feeling yeah. the politics around that whole yeah place that club is crap. And then yeah. at Everton, you know the squad as a whole wasn't quite that great either so you know mm. I, I, I don't think Carlo Ancelotti is quite at the pinnacle of the game at the moment but I also wouldn't say that he's no. he should be going off managing you know Newcastle <laughs> yeah he's a very
1: bunch of players at Real Madrid and he is seemingly slowly getting a song out of them they, they're like they're a very imbalanced squad like I know he tried to arrest some of that near the end of the summer but they couldn't get buyers for a lot of their players Um, so he, he is trying to make it into a functional team which I think it'll take some doing um the other spanish sides like you said barcelona i think pff, they they could easily get knocked out in the group stages and be be dumped into the europa league it it's you know I, I think i think they they're lucky with the other the other you know opponents they have in this group that they they tend to have these kind of moments of, of self doubt and kind of do their their own worst enemy and don't perform on big occasions uh, so that could be Barcelona's saving grace because you know these teams have to go to the new camp and they have to perform there, which is a big ask of a lot of teams. Um, and then Atletico Madrid, we've discussed them a, a few times this season and you know what is their priority for this season, like the, the way they signed players in transfer and the way they dealt with players at transfer deadline day, it made you think, oh maybe these guys know what they're doing and they have a plan together um to get out and to to do more in, in the Champions League as well as the league this season, but it's yet to be seen. If they'll actually be able to to operate on multiple fronts, or will the re- re- retention of La Liga be their absolute priority? It's I suppose early days, but yeah, I wouldn't have any of those in my favourites. But PSG, as you said, you know there there is mitigating circumstances around them. They, as you said, they they can be a very flaky team, and they've got a lot of flaky players. You know, emotionally upset players. You know, you, you can imagine a game going wrong for them, like a quarter final or semi final, and and Sergio Ramos, you know, kung fu kicking someone in the head and. And maybe Neymar going off uh, in a whinge and Di and, and Maria, something similar. And, y- you know, <laughs> you're left with a few players on the field holding things together and them going out at the end of it. Um, that could easily happen. But then you just, like, they have such strength and depth. Like, uh, they're only players that aren't kind of world beaters are their are fullbacks. And maybe, they, you know, we just haven't seen enough of them to to make a definitive decision on them. But, like, everyone else in that side is... Is in the top three players In their position Or at least acknowledges as, as the top three players You know Ramos maybe is a bit Beyond it at this point But Donnarumma Ram- Is one the Straight off winning the Euros Is a fantastic young goalkeeper Messi is Messi Mbappe is Mbappe Neymar is a Neymar You know This is even to mention The supporting players At the club And like Players who we often forget about Like Julian Draxler Or um, What's the name of your man The Argentinian fella That we never We always forget about Do you Mar- his Agents Or uh, Mauro Mario Icardi, like, we're not even talking about these guys that would walk into... Like, uh, Mario Icardi would get into, like, the Chelsea team, probably. He would get into the, you know, that they're the European champions, would, prob- would definitely get into the Man City team. Like, would walk into the majority of the other big teams left in the Champions League. And, like, he can't even get a look in at Paris Saint-Germain. Like, that's, that's how crazy their strength and depth is. And, you know, Pochettino, as you said, like, he's a guy that can be a bit... All over the place sometimes and his methods sometimes they work brilliantly or sometimes they work terribly but like you have to give him a bit of credit here and, and think he can do it with this team like really i would back myself to do something with this team
0: yeah no uh, they, i mean in terms of absolute quality of the squad they're maybe the best in in europe and for that reason you have to peg them as one of the favorites it's more of a case of do I trust them in, in the big moment but I suppose we'll, we'll find out really come come April or May yeah. looking then in, in Italy and Germany and obviously you're right about Bayern Munich but I don't know really about Brucey Dormant um, you know I think they could get to another quarterfinal but I think that's kind of their limit at the moment given they're, they're kind of in transition with Marco Rose coming in as well but I, yeah, Erling Haaland is, is, is he good enough to just power them uh, to a final because they do have good players around them as well so that it'll be interesting to see how he does as an individual or be like, Leipzig are, are in transition as well so yeah. you know I'm not I'm not expecting a huge amount from Germany except for, for Bayern Munich Wolfsburg could be a fun addition though they've been no they won't <laughs> no,
1: they won't they have a good group uh, in that like maybe they can get out of it but like I like they just
0: the strength and depth isn't there. But then looking at Italy as well, um, Atlanta obviously been quite exciting in the last mm. few years, and they've got main and BRL in Viral and what I think could be quite a fun group. Uh, you know, they they play such a unique brand of football that it could be, you know, they could actually maybe make a run at it this year because I think they've gotten unlucky the last last couple of years. They were moments away from beating PSG in in Lisbon a couple of years back, and then that Real Madrid game, they get that unlucky un- or unlucky red card. Um, and things kind of spiraled from there so maybe they could you know w- with experience and a bit of luck they could go a bit far hmm. but then you know Milan are back which is nice but Inter Milan and, and Juve aren't at their strongest either so I'm not expecting a huge amount from, from the Italian sides either so that's why I continue to look at England as probably the destination of the winner except for maybe PSG
1: yeah like it does make more sense but when has football ever made sense? Let's let's I I'm going Sporting, Champions League winners.
0: Uh, I I was going to actually mention Sporting, who you know won a won a Lita for the first time in like eighteen or nineteen years. Benfica as well. Like you know, Portuguese football is on a bit of a rise at the moment. They've moved ahead of France in the uh, yeah, overall so. coefficient ranking, which I think is actually you know that could be the difference between uh, an extra Champions League place or not. Not believe, anymore. So. <laughs> not
1: anymore. I don't think. Have they changed the rules suffered? I think going, I think going
0: into um twenty twenty four they'll be guaranteed four Champions League places okay. by being the fifth league, but well, I could be not hundred percent certain on that. So uh, obviously we'll get back to that in twenty twenty four. Um if they can even maintain it. But it is good to see the the big three in Portugal kind of come back into their own a bit. Porto are in a really exciting group when we saw well they did last year as well, knocking out Juventus, you know, giving Chelsea probably the best game they had in, in the Champions League last season as well. So you know, it'd be exciting to see how they do, and that I think that group is easily the most most exciting the Champions League has had in, in a handful of years, maybe even a decade huh. of Milan, Porto, Liverpool, and Atletico uh, Madrid. You know, you've you know, cursed uh, us
1: now. We're only going to have terrible
0: uh, matches. It, 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 it's like I I don't think it's quite as balanced, but it does remind me in a way of that great season where it was Arsenal, Dortmund, Napoli, and Marseille. Yeah. And Marseille ended up just being the whipping boys, and the other three teams all finished on twelve points. Like I think that is the greatest Champions League group I've ever seen, and I'm not saying that this group is going to be the same, yeah. but it's in terms of overall balance and quality, I think it's the best I've seen since then. Mm. Because you know, Milan is the fourth seed. Is you know, obviously they're a big name, but they're also a pretty good side. They have started uh, Syriac quite well. You know, they started Syria quite well last year and tailed off. And if mm. they do that again this year. You know, the group stages are in the start of the season. So by that logic, they could have a good group stage. But, yeah. you know, a big name is getting knocked out of Europe in this. And, you know, I I think Liverpool are the only team that I look at and think they'll get through from this. Yeah, like I'm just thinking now
1: that uh, <laughs> the Milan are going home early because <laughs> we said that now. They're just going to lose every game 4-0 <laughs> or It um,
0: is It is unlucky for them to get such a big group. But I suppose, you know, when you come back, to the Champions League from a big state, you kind of want a big group. You want to be like, oh yeah, the Champions League. You don't want to be going going off to Moldova or or mm. young boys or whatever smaller teams. Wolfsburg, you know, you want to be playing the big teams immediately. Sheriff. Yeah, that, that that that's that's what you want immediately because you've been gone so long, and, and Milan, of course, are I suppose almost intrinsically linked with the with the Champions League yeah. in the European seven-time winners especially because of Silvio Berlusconi um, yeah. and his role in the modern Champions League but I think it, that's a that's a pretty fun welcome back for them as well
1: yeah absolutely it'll be a very exciting group stage at least and we'll, we'll see how the new format of, of playing them in different orders works out because I know it's something close to your heart
0: yeah it just made me irrationally angry when they got rid of the, the ABCCAB format and they've gone ABCCAB which I just think is really bland and uninteresting Uh, and and it's it's completely it's completely irrational I know but god damn the game's gone this is is. this is my this is my first true game's gone moment and they got rid of away goals they got rid of away goals damn it can't wait can't wait they ruined they've ruined the Champions League no they haven't yeah game's gone I love football. Thank you. I suppose we should look ahead to some of the actual individual Champions League games right now, uh, because they're it's back tomorrow. It's back on Tuesday. We, I, I think we should start with that group we were just hyping up. What is it? It's Liverpool, Milan, and and, mm. um, and Atletico Madrid, Porto. God, that Atletico Madrid Porto game is going to be uh, a sternly, hotly addressed little, surely.
1: Yeah, I'm not. I'm not looking well. Uh, yeah, like Porto did put in a good fight last season. You know they didn't do perform as well in as they normally do at home in in the Portuguese league. But certainly putting out Juventus was a was a big scalp on them, and they unfortunately couldn't carry that forward into the following round. Um, but Atletico Madrid, I suppose this will be this will be a good marker to see where they are this year with the Champions League. Will they will they really go for this? They're at home in, the, in front of the Wanda Metropolita Metropolina, whatever it's called. Um, and yeah i think it'll be it'll be a good it'll be a good certain point if this is a nil all draw i think we could probably i'm not going to write them off entirely but i think it it would veer towards confirming what we thought about them not really going for this and really focusing on the league title this year
0: but then liverpool milan uh you know two of the most successful sides Mm -hmm. in in european football history yeah this this could be a fun one
1: yeah it's at anfield big night uh the 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 kind of rumors that were coming out before the weekend was that Liverpool were, were going to to have a kind of not a reserve side but kind of, you know, mix up the squad, do a bit of rotation for this match because of the, you know, the, the thick and fast games that are coming this time of the year and, and to kind of conserve some of the energy of their of their big players, given a lot of them have had to play basically every minute of every game so far. Um and I think we saw some of that at the weekend with 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 Thiago starting after having not started for a couple of weeks. Um but given what happened to Harvey Elliott, I, I imagine that they're going to put on a show for this once they return to Anfield. And because it's against Milan as well, you know, there's history there, even if none of these players are part of any of that history. Um, th- these two teams, you know, they played out two Champions League finals in the last decade or the decade before last. So there there is living memory of, of that rivalry. I think Milan yeah. will show up with a point to prove. And, it, but, uh, you know, it's been a long time since they've had such a big European night.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting thing. Like, maybe, you know, we, we talk a lot about squad depth on the show, and I think Liverpool's of the big four in England probably have the weakest, actually, mm. not probably, they, they definitely have the they weakest do, yeah. squad depth. Um, it, it, it's the thing that, that you look at and you say, that's maybe why they don't win anything this year, um, or they maybe prioritize one trophy early on over the mm. other, and then they go for it that way. Mm. Um, and that's how they win. Uh, I don't see them winning a league in a Champions League in a way that you know maybe a Chelsea or a Man City could. And mm. and this is, I suppose, the start of that test because you know a difficult group stage draw means you know if they start resting players and they start dropping points, it could be enough to dump them out of this group because it mm. is so close, at least on paper. Um, so maybe it it maybe this is an indicator that Klopp is already focusing on going for the league again um and and that that in itself is quite interesting because you know is this the earliest we've ever talked about a, a manager prioritizing one competition over another
1: yeah i suppose it's well you you see league cup games happening with reserve side so maybe it's not the earliest but yeah it's certainly it's certainly up there um the Champions league isn't the league cup though I minamino mean, still at liverpool
0: <laughs> just, yeah I, I suppose he is <laughs> he didn't
1: leave yeah he didn't leave I thought it. you know um, yeah so I'm just thinking of, of of players like yeah Liverpool in certain areas they're not too bad like they have five goalkeepers at the moment on, on the club like uh, Becker Kelleher Adrian and Loris Karius and then they have it'll oh, be of, so good
0: if we got to see a bit of Kelleher
1: I think we will. I think, like, maybe not right now that Becker is, is just coming into the new season. So it isn't like he, he had to travel across to Brazil. I think he didn't go uh, last week. So that, you know, that gives him a bit of a bonus. But there is some players we haven't seen much of this season in, in midfield, like Jordan Henderson hasn't played that many minutes. Um, Oxay Chamberlain is is, is there. Nabi Keita, I don't know what. Did Nabi Keita make it back to England? <laughs> I never even I looked did, into yeah, it. yeah, he did. Uh, what is the story with Curtis Jones as well? Yeah. Um, he hasn't played many minutes at all this
0: season. He, he, he could be a surprise start on, what is it, Wednesday anyway? On Wednesday at
1: 8, yeah, against Milan.
0: Yeah, so like they definitely are
1: lacking in that kind of level. Um, so you could definitely see, as you said, uh,
0: a bit of a change. And then a couple other interesting games. Inter Milan, Real Madrid, and a rematch of last year's group stage in Barcelona, Bayern Munich. Two, two pretty big ties to start things.
1: Mm. Like, yeah, Barcelona, uh, Bayern Munich starting with that, like... Pfft this one looks like a Bayern Munich win all over like we were discussing it before we went on air and we like if this was anything but a Bayern Munich w- win it'll be very interesting match uh, like I don't I don't know I don't know what you think you, you think Barcelona don't even have a, a hope in hell in this match well,
0: one part of my mind still thinks that the new Camp is a very difficult mm-hmm. place to go and, and a lot of teams in theory, you know yeah. in we say it a lot though that oh this Barcelona team looks weak and they could be got at and, and then they actually show up with a new camp and they get a result out of it and it's and I think if they beat Bar Munich that would be enough to kind of keep them comfortable in this group yeah um, because Bar Munich you'd, you'd imagine would win the other five games no problem and they'd, they'd have no problem yeah. from playing, catch, playing catch up whereas Barcelona if they do lose this and you know they end up under a lot of pressure Benfica, Dynamo, Kiev kind of put it at them yeah you know you'd start to worry a bit for Barcelona so this is the worst possible game for them really other than going to the Allianz Arena you know I'm sure they'd much rather be at home to Dynamo Kiev to start things off hopefully get a nice comfortable three points and go from there but you know this fixture is going to be really important for Barcelona I think and I I do agree that Bayern Munich should win this Hmm. you know could even be you know the really um, condescending comfortable 2-0 win that we often see where they just uh, look comfortable
1: in the second half. That's what I think might have happened, and it's a sad day for Barcelona. Now, our judgment is completely skewed by the fact that they've just lost Messi and a couple of other players. But like a normal team, if the you know, if, if you're comparing Barcelona against I don't know, Inter Milan or, you know, a relatively big European side. Like, this Barcelona team is pretty excellent. You know, Memphis Depay is a very good centre-forward. He's turned into one. Um, you know, Sergio Busquets, Gerard Pique, they've been there and won everything. Jordi Alba, been there and won everything. is Sagan is a solid keeper, if he's not my cup of tea. You know, they, they have a very good side. Um, the, but, but, yeah.
0: The, the, the way that I would put it, though, is that Barcelona, as it is now, have absolutely got enough to finish top four in, in La Liga this season, maybe even challenge for the league title. But if you were to transplant Bayern Munich into La Liga, they would win La Liga at an absolute canter <laughs> in a way that they win Bundesliga after Bundesliga. I think they would walk La Liga. Um, so that's why Perhaps. I uh, would have them as as favourites to win this group and win this tie. Um, and that's why, I, like, they beat Barcelona 8 2 not that long ago. Yeah. Barcelona lost <laughs> Lino Messi since then. Yeah, yeah but Nelson um,
1: Samedo isn't playing this time. So maybe, you know, Barcelona
0: have a better chance perhaps Um but then with Inter Milan and, and Real Madrid I think this game will be a little closer and I probably actually yeah. favour did they play each oh, other I twice last year
1: as well didn't they?
0: They, they they met in the group with Shakhtar who they're also in the group with again yeah, so, so we're bizarre. rolling it all back uh, yeah. maybe is this uh, match Damian at the Dolan Bernabeu or is it at the Castilla again The it is the well Sefano they returned stadium. they returned to the Bernabeu yesterday against I think it was Celta Vigo okay. but it will be on in San Siro oh ok actually. it's in Milan Okay. Um, or Giuseppe Miazza, I think as um, Inter Milan fans like to call it so yeah it'll be on in, in Inter so um, yeah I find this one hard to call because Inter has started the season well enough but you know Real Madrid aren't, aren't, aren't bad either it's it Carlo actually... as well it's
1: you know I I think
0: <laughs> that's true actually the nice history there as well
1: yeah I think Carlo will want to perform in this match I think it's his first time back in Italy since he left uh, Napoli
0: yeah um in official capacity anyway. Uh, and then one of his first time no, he wasn't manager of Randor in 2016, but uh, you know when was the last time he managed At San Siro since he left Milan? Well, when he was at Napoli surely. <laughs> when he uh, was. Uh, well, yeah, at Napoli, but since um, you know, with a European with a big European team, I suppose. I oh, you're say. going back, yeah, you're going back a while. To maybe like Paris, Chelsea, maybe. Milan. Yeah. Yeah,
1: it's and it's going games. back a while, yeah. Um so yeah it'll be it'll be very it'll be an interesting contest I think Real Madrid will have enough in it I think he, he's getting he's getting their attack working well and like I, I personally think this Inter team is in a bit of you know they obviously did very well last year but there there's a bit of a betting in process and a lot of the the manager certainly doesn't have Champions League experience uh, and this is a big opener for him or does mm-hmm. he have he does have Champions League experience I'm going, I'm off wrong but you know this, yeah he does yeah um yeah, I, 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 I can definitely see Real Madrid just, just having enough of experience and will to pull them through in this. It's a, it's a big game to open, and there'll be a bit of revenge after last season as well on the mind. So I think this could be, this could be a, a Real Madrid victory.
0: Yeah, and ultimately I do think Inter Milan and Real Madrid should both get out of this yeah. group because Shakhtar are kind of weaker than they were last year, I think, and then Sheriff are their fourth opponent no offence to them but they will probably be whipping boys in this group um, as well as they've done to get here yeah so um, it, which is good for Milan I suppose Richard, because they haven't gotten to the knockout stages since they returned to the Champions League it's been two um, two dumpings into the Europa League and last year they didn't even make the Europa League so mm. um, you know and part of that you could say is because Antonio Conte doesn't have the best record in Europe no. but um, you know this is a good chance for Simone and Zagy to uh, give himself a nice reputation as doing well in Europe yeah um, it,
1: it's all he would have to do would be win this match probably but uh, we'll see what <laughs> yeah. happens
0: and then finally let's just have a look at uh, the upcoming Premier League games this weekend the big one I think is pretty obvious it's Tottenham against Chelsea big rivalry there Tottenham had a disastrous weekend at Palace mm. it was um, very Chelsea. bad yeah. Chelsea themselves, I think it was maybe the worst I've seen them under Thomas Tuchel other than that weird run when they were focused on the Champions League final and gave mm. up on top four yeah. at the end of last season. They still got there, though. They still got there. Um,
1: yeah, like it, it's, it'll be interesting because like, as well as that, Spurs are, or Tottenham are, oh, where am I going? I said Spurs twice. And I meant to say Chelsea. Chelsea are playing Zenit. And, you know, that is an important match for the ownership of, of Chelsea Football Club. They will want to win that match. They'll want to make a example of winning that match, and I think they will. And I think that might have been foremost in in Thomas Hughes' mind at the weekend, that maybe his owner would be more interested in the match in midweek than he would at the match at the weekend. They did enough at the weekend, so it didn't matter uh, in the end. But yeah, Chelsea kind of underwhelmed in that game and you know it it kind of reverted more back to the norm when it comes to Chelsea, that they are a bit like that, they're a bit stodgy at times and really it's the quality of some of their better players carries them through. Um, But I do expect them to to comfortably sweep um, Zenit aside and probably sweep uh, Tottenham aside at the weekend. Um, I think that'll be a yeah. Spurs. Uh, it got described to Jack Pitbrook. Described it as uh, Mourinho end days uh, type mm. of performance. And from what I saw of it, like like obviously Spurs went down to ten men, um, and deservingly they so saw in, in in the game. Like they, it was a stupid challenges that that led to them getting. Uh, in, was it in that got sent off? Um, a player who wants or what, Who was it in uh, Spurs Crystal Palace? Like whoever yeah, I,
0: I can't remember. Yeah,
1: um, Tanganga. Sorry, Tanganga. Yes. It was who got sent off. Um, you know, it was it. It was a silly silly thing, and now he'll he'll miss the next game. He'll miss that, and and really they're they're lacking ooh, ooh, in that something. area
0: there's something like 4 minutes between two yellow cards like yeah. that is very and much both were a mistake silly. of a younger
1: player. Yeah, both were like you didn't need to do that. You didn't need to dive in. It was unnecessary. It was just inside the half and was just about the 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 wayside and really it 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 came as a result of pressure. Like Palace were putting on the pressure. Zaha was skipping through on multiple occasions and they really like he had to take him out on one occasion and they dived in at another. Um and deserved to be sent off, but even before then, Spurs were pinned back in their own half, unable to get out, unable to do anything, and that was with the full side was playing like that was a bit, effectively the full, full Tottenham side. Kane was back, you know, everyone was was in in the team, and they they couldn't show anything. It's a team that was routinely beaten earlier on in the season by lesser Premier League lights, you know, they they like Palace haven't shown a great deal this season, and really they they could have lit up with even more goals than they got in the end, so. I don't necessarily see how Tottenham can can come out of this on top.
0: Tottenham did get a result against Man City, to be Mm -hmm. fair, but I suppose in that game they weren't missing... Uh, their Argentina contingent to you know there's a whole farce going on there then we might talk yep. about the next international break because yeah. uh, I get the impression the club is not happy with their uh, few Argentinian players that they have at the club N-
1: no but like I still don't think that would have made a massive difference in the result like they had other players back that they didn't have in that Man City game and they really showed nothing like Kane was there that was my big that's my big target point in this and like yeah, they, they really showed very little. Like That Man City match we talked about at the time, That's that's a, it was almost a classic Man City performance of not being able to cope with a team that would sit back and, and, and completely destroy you on the break. Um, and I don't think that's what Chelsea are going to do. Chelsea are going to sit with them as well and it'll be a who, who blinks first type of situation. And Chelsea have the firepower to just overwhelm this Tottenham side.
0: And it should also be mentioned as well that Tottenham have to go to France on the, for Thursday to play oh, Rennes. Yeah. Uh, and Europa Conference League, so uh, you know that A lovely city, a lovely city. Yeah, it, it's just inconvenient, really. I yeah. suppose it's not. It's not like they're going off to Russia or Ukraine. Matt Doherty might get so. a game. You know, that's all that matters. But yeah, I'd like to see. be a good international. I'd yeah, like to see him get a game, and it was good yeah. to see O-Om Obama O-Om Obama Delay uh, yeah. against yeah. Arsenal. You got a few minutes. Um, yeah, and yeah. hopefully him and Adamita can play against Watford next week. Yeah, we'll uh, see what happens. Yeah, my closing my closing thought is that I was watching Adam Ida playing for Ireland, thinking, how is this guy not getting any minutes for Norwich? Um, so. Well, my, yeah, like
1: Norwich are going back down. That's my, but unless unless there's some kind of mad turnaround. Ala Leicester <laughs> the season before they won the league, they they've shown nothing uh, worthy of being a Premier League side. Like Arsenal, who could create very little against them still managed to beat them and beat them you know they could have put a few goals past them if they had taken their chances like tim crew had an excellent game and you you know you can't pin your whole season hopes on tim crew they did it a couple of years ago it didn't work then i don't think it's going to work now
0: yeah i completely agree and uh, i suppose that'll do us for this week so until then thank you for being here andrew thank you tim crew for being a goalkeeper and we'll be back again next week with Z. it returns it's back yay Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, then don't forget you can tell family and friends about the show. Spread the word of the Total Football Takeover. This show can also be found on podcast services, including Spotify, by searching Total Football Podcast. You can also subscribe to my own Medium page in the show notes. You can follow Andrew on Twitter at kanban 27 C-O-N-B-O-N, and myself at CheesyHeartPun, C-H-E-E-S-Y-H-I-R-T-E-P-U-N. Most of all, thank you for listening, and we hope to be in your download feed next week too. The more the merrier. That's what we always say.